Bible to the book of Jonah. <laughs> I just want to say it like that, the book of Jonah. <laughs> now you all are going to be saying our five weeks that we're in this book. And I will give you a warning, we're going to be in the book of Jonah <laughs> for five weeks. That reminds me of somebody. Um, And we're going to be there for five weeks leading up to December, which we will begin an Advent series as we prepare our hearts for the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, that's not going to end well. (laughs) Give him some candy. Mom and dad will be all right. Yeah, they'll be all right. Um, so we're going to be in the book of Jonah for five weeks, and I'll just go ahead and give you a layout. If you want a book of Jonah layout, how we're going to spend these five weeks, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 today, and then chapter 1, verses 7 through 16 next week, and then 17 into chapter 2, and then chapter 3, and then chapter 4, five whole weeks during this um, recollection of a story that oftentimes we just kind of read and we get a lot of laughs in because Jonah was like many of us, right? He was an emotional roller coaster, and, and he looks at the many blessings that God gave to him, and he was, woe is me, and, and he is actually, uh, my study Bible writes that this is almost satire. It's almost satire reading and writing from Jonah as he is such a miserable man at times, and then on fire for the Lord. It just, there's a lot that you and I might have in common. So here's what I want to do. I want to dig into the book of Jonah for the next five weeks, really studying how you and I can, can truly apply things to our life to be different as we learn from a man who was used by God but also was miserable in his own state but did great things for the Lord and then also rebelled against God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to really dig into it. And I'll just go ahead and give you, I got notes galore. I got notes in this book, notes in this paper, and on my phone all together. That's scary, isn't it? Um, but no, I promise we'll, we'll keep it moving. So here's what I'm going to give you today as we prepare for this, this study through this book. And all of us remember Jonah with what? The whale. The great fish. What a whale. It's a great, whatever. All right. It was likely a whale. Maybe a great white shark. I, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, it was a great whale, great fish that God appointed. And that's what we always associate with, with Jonah. But there is so much in this short four chapters recollection of his life and his ministry that that God used him in. What I will give you today is the theme of Jonah with the primary purpose of Jonah. I don't know that I'll necessarily refer back to this. I want to give it to you today as we prepare our study, prepare our our, uh, endeavor in this book. So here's the theme of Jonah, that God is a God of boundless compassion, not just for us, but also for them. So in Jonah's day, us meant Jonah and the Israelites. Today, us means us as Christians. We are the, the Christian people, the, the body of Christ. So God is, a bo- God is a God of boundless compassion, not just for us. So in Jonah's day, it's him and the Israelites, and then today it's us as the church, but also for them. In Jonah's day, that was the pagan sailors or the mariners that we read about, and also the Ninevites that would come to repent of their evil, of their sin. And today, that God is a boundless a God of boundless compassion for them. Them meaning those who are lost. 
people who are lost, spiritually dead in their sins and trespasses. As Jesus said, he says, I did not come for the well, but I came for those who were sick. Jesus embodies the fullness of God's mercy and grace, love, holiness, and compassion as he says that I did not come to be served, I did not come for the well, I came for the sick, to seek and to save the lost. So we have to understand as we read this book, we are going to see that the main theme of this book is that God is a God of boundless compassion, not just for us, but also for them. And if you were to look at your life, them are those who are far from Christ, those who may not look like you or vote like you or love like you or live like you, who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those who have never repented of their sin, be baptized in his name, confess their faith in him. Those people, them, are also the people that God views with compassion. The primary purpose of this book is to engage readers in a theological reflection on the compassionate character of God and in self-reflection on the degree to which their own character reflects this compassion to the end that they become vehicles of this compassion in the world that God has made and so deeply cares about. I'll just go and tell you, I didn't come up with that. I, I stole that from my study Bible. I'm not that eloquent to read that. Let me read that again to you. The primary purpose is to engage readers, you and I, as we read through this, in a theological reflection on the compassionate character of God and in self-reflection on the degree to which their own character reflects this compassion. Are we compassionate or are we not? Do we hate those that do not love Christ? Do we grow bitter or frustrated with those? Or are we angered with those that continue to live in sin? Or do we have compassion, mercy, and grace to extend? And to the end, that you and I will become vehicles of this compassion in the world that God has made and so deeply cares about. So here we go. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. I want you to just picture this. So then the captain came and said, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? We are all about to perish. He says, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So here is Jonah. He goes onto the ship. He's fleeing from God's presence. He goes into the, you know, the inward parts of the ship, and he falls asleep, just passes out. And he literally embodies that he can sleep through anything. 
This man is sleeping through a storm on sea as these men are hurling their cargo and, and there goes their life savings and there goes, you know, their clothing for when they get to where they're going. But anyway, they, they, clean, they clean the boat deck off to lighten it so that the sea may not devour them. Yet Jonah is found, is found sound asleep. Must be nice, right? Any other wives can attest, can attest to this, that us men can sleep through about anything. I didn't hear the baby crying all night. My wife sure did. I didn't know the dogs were barking or somebody knocking on the door. I, I just sleep through anything, so I can relate to Jonah. Maybe he was using this as, a, as also a time because maybe he was a father. We don't know, but, but anyway, he sleeps through it all. And here's the four parts I want to break down in this text. There's four parts of this text that I want to read, and I want to spend a few minutes each. And those four things that we find in this text is, one, the call, two, the reasons, three, the people, and four, the alarm. So we see the call, the reasons, the people, the alarm. What we see right out of the gate in this particular letter is the call of God upon Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh. Now, there's a very similar call in the book of Genesis, whenever we begin to read about Abram, who is then called Abraham, as his name is changed. But there are two very significant differences in these two calls. And in Jonah's case, God gives him a very specific instruction, very specific direction, location. This is exactly where you go. This is what you do. So Jonah is called to go to Nineveh and to call out against it to warn them of their evil, their sinfulness, and that's going to lead in an ultimate disaster that God is going to send their way. Now, when God calls Abram, he calls Abram to leave his, his family and his homeland and to go where? To the land that he would show him. There is no you know, very specific instruction other than to go and to obey. So what we can learn from these two similar yet different callings is that there are going to be times in which God calls you with much detail. God will lead you with clarity, maybe into a new job. He may lead you with clarity to reach a family member or a loved one or a family who is in need or who is even lost. There may be times where God gives you much clarity whenever he is leading you to do something. And then there's other times where we literally live upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit without clarity at all. We just know that we're supposed to go. God may be calling you to do something, to go to someone, and there's two ways that he'll do it. One, with very specific instruction to go to this person. I mean, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a store, you've been in a family gathering, and God has laid this person upon your heart to call and to reach with the gospel. And then there's other times where you feel like, I need to get involved with this ministry, or I need to serve in this capacity. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know what I'm even going to do, but I have this urgency to serve. I have this urgency to share the good news, and without much clarity, you might, you might just kind of weigh your options. How can I do it? And then what we find is, like in Abram's case, Abraham's case, that God revealed to him during his journey of obedience. So whenever we receive these promptings to repent of our sin, or when we receive these promptings to share the gospel with our family member or our, or our co-worker, then what we might find is that over the course of this journey, God reveals with, to us the clarity in which we were needing all along. So here's what I'll tell you. If God is leading you to do something, do it. If God is laying someone on your heart that is lost or is, who is in need, call them. Sit down with them. 
Maybe you don't have much clarity. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know where you're going to do this. You don't know how it's going to pan out. Let me just encourage you to do it, to go, to arise and go. Now, what we see the difference also in these two callings is the response between Jonah, the response of Abram, and maybe where you and I might respond as well. See, the reasons Jonah left, we don't have very distinct answers to. There is much uh, discussion within scholars that these people, the Ninevites, were hated by the Israelites. Any kind of pagan people group were hated by the Israel people. And there was much tension. If you remember, when Jesus came upon the scene, whenever he lived or would travel from one area or one region to the other, there was oftentimes, in order to go from Israel up to, to Galilee, that he would... He would go through Samaria, but other people would go miles and miles out of their way to pass around Samaria, which was in the middle of the two, because of their hatred toward these people. So Jonah's reasons to flee may have been some of the reasons that you and I share today. So God may lay lay someone on your heart who is in need of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, but you and I might give reasons as to why we cannot answer that call. Maybe you keep telling yourself, well, there's no way I could share the gospel with anyone because I'm not a preacher. Or maybe you can't obey God's calling because you don't know if they will accept it or not. Or maybe they may mock you, ridicule you, or completely reject you. Or maybe because of their difference in lifestyle and yours... You have wrote them off as unworthy to receive the gospel message of Jesus. And that's what's very scary because what we see in Jonah, and it doesn't come out and say, but many scholars will discuss that Jonah shows a very big lack of compassion towards a people group who was broken. Towards a people group who was lost. Towards a people group who were just wandering around and drowning themselves in evil and sinfulness that God considers a great city and a city that was deemed redeemable by God was not redeemable according to Jonah. So here's what can be very scary. You and I can look at people in our lives. We can look at people who we work with. We can look at people on Facebook. We can look at people on TV and we can declare or decide they are unworthy of the gospel and we will just completely write them off. And what happens is we get into a very dangerous spot whenever we become the judge of who is worthy or unworthy of the message of Christ. So let me just encourage you that the people that Jonah was called to reach were broken. And the people who were called to reach you may have viewed you in the same way. When someone reached me with the good news of Jesus Christ, guess what? I was completely broken. When someone reached you with the good news of Jesus Christ, right where you were, you were completely broken. You were completely, I was completely unworthy of God's love, his mercy, and his grace. However, our God is immeasurable, rich in mercy, and he lavishes it upon us, and he uses his mercy and grace to draw us to himself and to then save us from our eternal punishment that you and I are truly deserving of. So what we can do is we can become very, very prideful, Or we can become very, very preferential in who we are willing to love and to reach. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that looks at people and thinks, boy, there's no way I could reach them. Some people, if if I were to just ask you, do you see some people as unlovable or unreachable? If you were to be honest, just raise your hand. 
You can raise your hand. It's safe space in here. All right, just safe space. Just be honest. Just let your feelings fall down. And yeah, surely we see people as unlovable. There's always times where you and I can become so bitter with some people who are just simply dead in their sins and trespasses. Just like you and I were one time. But thank God they did that somebody or many people didn't view us the same way we may view others. That someone preached the gospel to you. Someone maybe convinced you of your need of Jesus. Somebody took it upon themselves to sacrifice their own pride or maybe their own disagreements with you and to share the good news of Christ with you. And therefore, you and I are also to do that as well. So here's my goal for today is that you and I would truly look and evaluate the way that we view people in our lives. Do we view people through a lens of compassion as people who are just in need of the good news of Jesus Christ who are broken? Or do we view them through a lens of judgment, hatred, bitterness, anger, disagreement, division, which will lead us to write some people off and never sacrifice ourselves to love them or to reach them? So the people, the the people, the people in Jonah's day that he was called to reach were broken. And this is what I would want you to know, that God may call you to reach those people, the people that you view unlovable, unreachable, unworthy of the good news, may be the very people that God guides you, calls you to reach. Why? Because it's the spiritually dead people that God desires to draw to himself. It's those spiritually dead people that you look on TV or you read their posts or you hear the way they speak and you think, how in the world could God ever forgive them? How in the world could God ever love them? How in the world could God ever save them? And he is desiring to draw them to himself. God desires to draw spiritually dead people to believe in their heart, to confess with their mouth. He desires to see spiritually dead people baptized and raised to life in Christ. That is what God desires to see. So God desires none to perish but all to come to repentance. God desires to see all of his creation glorify his name. Now the reality is not many will because many will lead the life that leads to destruction and many will travel by the wide gate. Very few will travel by the narrow gate, but God desires to draw people to himself. Now you and I may be the vehicles God uses to extend the compassion that he possesses that they are in desperate need of. So the people are the people that are truly loved and considered valuable by God. And if we are not careful, we will live our lives with hatred, anger, bitterness, or rejection towards others that will prevent us from actually reaching them. And here is the reality. There may be people in our lives that God has called us to reach that will not be reached unless you and I humble ourselves, sacrifice of ourselves, and go. There may be people in your workplace that are in desperate need of the good news of Christ who are just drowning themselves in their own personal sin and evil, who are in desperate need of you to just reach them, to pray with them, to pray for them, or to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came and he died and he rose again, and they are in desperate need of it. But we view them through a lens of our own pride or our own disagreements or our own rejection, our own bitterness. Therefore, we will flee that call. We will flee that person. We will flee that mission. 
So we see the call that God calls Jonah to go to a very specific location with a very specific purpose. We see that Jonah has many reasons why. We don't actually read them, but there is much uh, disagreement. There is much tension between these two people groups. He is probably fearful, therefore he flees, just like you and I may be fearful of how they will respond, fearful of even sharing the gospel with people, therefore we will tend to flee. And then we look at the people who are broken, sinful people, but in God's eyes were people worth dying on a cross for in our day. Now in this day there wasn't a cross, but in our day, those people that we view as unlovable or unreachable were the very same people that Jesus thought of as he humbled himself to endure the joy set before him, to take upon the cross and to nail to the tree every sin of all the world. Therefore, Jesus viewed them as worthy to die for. And then lastly, we see the alarm. You know, it's kind of similar in, in the callings not just of Jonah and Abram, but we see a, a very uh, distinct similarity between the calling of Jonah and the commission that God gives through the, the Great Commission. As Jesus is sitting on the mountainside giving this Great Commission that we all love and know, so Jonah is called to what? Arise and go. Jesus, giving his Great Commission that we read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, says to what? To go... And to make disciples of all nations. So let me just tell you who all nations are. All people, those we like and those we may not. Those who we vote like and those who we may not. Those who we agree with and those who we do not. Those that look like us and those who do not. Those who live like us and those who do not. Those who spend their free time like we do and those who do not. Therefore, we are called to go and to preach the gospel to all of them, making disciples. So you and I have a mission to go and to reach the world. As Jesus was about to ascend into heaven in Acts chapter 1, we see that he called his people, his followers, to be his witnesses where? First in Jerusalem. That's comfortable. Second, in Judea and Samaria, it's a little bit more of a stretch. And then to all the ends of the world, which means he was calling his followers to be witnesses, even to the people that had no idea who he was. People who were living in evil and sinfulness and rebellion towards God. Jesus calls his disciples, his apostles, to be his witnesses. Just like you and I are called to be his disciple, to make disciples, and to be his witnesses to the ends of the world. Now for you, you have been placed in a very specific mission field. If you were to look around your life at the people in your life, God is calling you to be his witnesses there. In your home. In your family, in your workplace, God is calling you to be his witness even there. Where it's uncomfortable, there. Where they may not receive it, there. So the the command of Christ and the calling of Jonah sounds very similar. To go and to humble ourselves, sacrifice of our own pride, our own interest, and to glorify the name of the Lord. Jonah is called to warn them against their evil just like you and I are to go and to share the gospel message. And part of the gospel message is apart from Christ, you will spend eternity in hell separated from him. It's not easy to hear. It's not joyous. But it is reality that if people do not come to faith in Christ and follow him, they will spend eternity apart from him. It is the hard truth that we have to sometimes share with people that if they do not come to repentance and faith in Christ, 
the Bible says that those who do not believe in Christ will what? Perish. But those who do believe in him will never perish but have eternal life. Therefore, whenever we share the gospel, we are sharing them the good news of God, the good news of Jesus, that he came and he loves you. But also we are warning them that their own evil, their own destruction could lead them to separation from the Lord. So you and I must preach to them the gospel. The alarm comes to Jonah by a pagan sailor. A pagan sailor goes down and he wakes Jonah up. We just talked about it this morning in the other building, how sometimes God will use the very strangest ways or the most outlandish people to reach us in our spiritual sleep. So Jonah's sound asleep and this pagan sailor comes. He says, hey, you need to cry out to your God because we are about to perish. Jonah wakes up, and then what we see in verse 6, he says, What do you mean, you sleeper, arise, call out to your God? Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. This is a moment in time in which God uses a pagan sailor to wake Jonah up. More than just a physical slumber, but also a true recognition of who he was, where he was at, and what he was doing. So here's what I I wanted to share with you. Whenever you read in verse 3, there's a phrase that is used twice. And the phrase is, went down. So he went down to find the boat, and then he went into the boat, and went down into the inner parts of the boat, and he went to sleep. Now, what I want to share with you is that this, the term went down that is used twice in verse 3 is a euphemism for death. The suggestion is that each step away from the presence of the Lord is one step closer to going down or death. So we have to understand that you and I may be ignoring God's calling, not just to share the gospel, but also God's promptings and convictions to repent of our own sin. And what we will find is as you and I take each step further and further away from God's call, and as you and I take each step further and further away from God's conviction because we are comfortably living in our own sin, you and I may find ourselves truly taking steps further and further away from his presence. Now, the reality is we cannot ever escape his presence, but the truth is that the more that you and I walk further away from his promptings and his callings and his convictions... The further away we get, the closer to death we become. So next week as we look at the rest of this chapter, and I'll go ahead and give you a preview now, and there's something I say all the time, the closer you are and the longer you flirt with destruction, the closer you are to it. So the more and more that we disobey and the more and more that we ignore God's call or his conviction, the closer and closer we become to going down or ultimately spiritually being dead. But God uses over and over, we will see in this story, moments to wake Jonah up and to remind him of who he is and what he is to be. So here's my question for us. Could this moment in time, the moment that you and I are here right now, be a moment in time that you and I have been given a chance by the Lord to evaluate the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we view people, 
or the way that we are comfortably living in our own sin, failing to reject his conviction and his prompting, could this be a moment in which God is using this very moment in time as an alarm to awaken us from our own sinfulness? Could this very moment in time that you and I have shared together over the last half hour, or we've been here almost 52 minutes now, could this be a very exact moment in time that God uses as an alarm to awaken you to your own rejection towards other people, your own anger or frustration, or completely writing people off who are in need of the gospel of Christ? Could this be a moment in time where God is using our time together to awaken us spiritually to becoming vehicles of his compassion? To becoming vehicles of his compassion that you and I have been recipients of. And if we were to look around us, there are many people who are in desperate need of. So, I would like to end with the words of Jesus, which are always a pretty good spot to go. And if you were to go to Matthew chapter 9... And as we turn there, I want to just encourage you that God is calling you to do something, to go somewhere, to reach someone, or to repent of your sin right now. I guarantee you, God is guiding you, prompting you, or compelling you to do something. Maybe to reach that person that's on your heart time and time again and you fail to share. Maybe to repent of your sin that you continue to live in. And every time that you participate in it, you, can, you are completely guilty and convicted by His Spirit. Yet you continue to give in to your own fleshy desires. Or maybe there is something that you have been just compelled to serve in and to sacrifice yourself in your own time and your own resources to be a part of God's work here on earth. But I would say if we were to look around, there are many people here who God is calling to do something, to reach someone, to serve in one capacity, or even just to repent of the sin that is leading you further and further away from him. So as we look at the people in your life, I just want you to just, if you want, close your eyes and view the people in your life. You can just close your eyes. Don't fall asleep because I'm almost done. Just view the people. Now I want you to view those people that you may have been writing off, those people that you cannot understand why they are so, I'm not going to use the words that might be offensive, but why they are so wrong or so silly in their decision making. But you just can't understand why they continue to do what they continue to do, knowing what they're doing. And, and, and I just want you to view those people. How do you view them? Do you grow frustrated with them? Do you fail to love them because of their lifestyle? Do you fail to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because of their own wrongdoings? Do you fail to sacrifice of yourself, humble yourself, and extend the mercy and grace of God towards them because you just can't quite understand or understand what? Here's what I want you to know. Those people are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead people do spiritually dead things. That is why they are needing you, and that's why they are needing me to sacrifice of ourselves, to humble ourselves, and to go to them with the love, the mercy, the grace, and the compassion that we have been recipients of. Now, I want you to wake up. Wake up. I'm almost done. So you view those people. You understand. You don't have to admit it out loud right now, but I, under, I would imagine, if we were to be honest, there are some people that we just completely ignore when it comes to the gospel. Why? Because they don't do things like us. Here's how I want to read the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming in the, the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. This would truly define the people that you view in your life that do, know not, that do not know Christ. They are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They are wandering around like lost sheep. They have no direction. They, they just, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, they're just passing their days away. They're just wasting their days. And you, and you grow so frustrated with them. We become, become so angry with them. We just don't understand. And Jesus looks at them and he has compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he goes on to say, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is what I want you to know. God has placed you in a very specific harvest field, in a very specific mission field. And if you were to look around your life, we just close our eyes and we just viewed those people who are far from God, those people who are lost, those people who are broken, those people who are spiritually dead, those people who are just wandering around, passing away their days, wandering in sin, just drowning themselves with their own personal evil. We have to view those people through a lens of compassion, knowing that the harvest is plentiful. What Jesus is saying is there are a lot of people who do not know me but are ready to to get a hold of me. It's just a matter of getting people to go. It's just a matter of getting people to go. So how can you respond and go right now? Let me just give you a few ways. First, you can preach the gospel to your spouse. Well, they're saved. Continue to preach the gospel to them. Continue to build them up in their faith. Preach the gospel to your children. Everybody knows our kids need Jesus. A whole lot of them. Preach the gospel to them. Remind them of God's loving kindness and his mercy and his grace, but remind them and warn them that if they choose to live in sinfulness and if they choose to flee from his presence, they will eventually pay the ultimate punishment for their sin in eternal death. We must warn them. Preach the gospel to your family, your friends, your neighbors, co-workers, and even to your enemies. To go and to reach the people that God has placed you in a very specific mission field, a very specific harvest field. Go and to reach them, but you can never go and reach them until you view them through a lens of compassion as Christ does. So one thing that I said many years ago, and I'll end it with this. The reason maybe there are so, many few, or so few laborers is because there's a lot of loiterers in churches. Too many people loitering, what that means is too many people just enjoying the comfortability of the church family. It's easy for me to share the gospel with the prides whenever we're at Sunday school or we're in here. Why? Because we think alike. Because we're both Christians. It's easy for me to share the gospel with the people who are singing on stage. Why? Because we think alike. It's easy for me to go home or go to my wife's family and enjoy lunch on the farm and talk about the goodness of God. Why? Because we both we all think alike, but sometimes it's very difficult for me to go to that person that I work with or that person in my family who is lost and spiritually dead and humble myself and to share the good news of Christ with them. But here's what Jesus told us, just as he told his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. And guess who the laborers are? You. You. 
me. So my question for us all today is, are we ready to go? Are you ready to go to them? Them, those people that you pictured in your head, those people who are truly lost, are you ready to go to them? Let's pray.